0: Welcome to this hour of worship, praise, prayer, thanksgiving to Jesus. The entire Neeland family extends their thanks and appreciation to you for your presence here with them today as we honor the life and the legacy of one of God's finest servants, Norm Neeland. Our gathering is also dedicated to giving thanks and praise to Jesus for Norm's safe arrival in the land of endless day and glorious light where Jesus, the angels, and the hosts of the redeemed abide forevermore. This service is dedicated to recalling and remembering the years of faithful service of Norm to his family and to his Lord that he loved and served wholeheartedly his entire life. It's also a time set aside to rejoice, to remember, and to give thanks to God for the marvelous manner that he used norm in so many ways over so many years in the lives of so many people. Our only response to that can be, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, our hearts are filled with praise and gratitude in these moments of our gathering this morning. We give you thanks that in the earthly departure of our loved ones from our presence, we can rejoice in the knowledge as we do today, that for those who die in Christ, they now enjoy the reality of the presence of Christ that is beyond our understanding. Lord, we worship you in these moments and pray that the name and person of Christ will be lifted up in this time that we spend together in remembrance and rejoicing. May the peace, the presence, and the joy from Jesus Christ flood our hearts in all that is said and done in this hour. Be honored and exalted among us in this time, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I share with you now the obituary of our dear brother, Norman Clare Neeland, lived as a child of God and sojourned on this earth from November the 11th, 1944, until he passed away peacefully with his family at his side on February 24th. 2023 at his son's home in Rock Springs, Wyoming. He was a resident of Rock Springs for the past five years and a former resident of Lacey, Washington. Norm was born November the 11th, 1944, in Clovis, California, the son of Joel Myra Neeland and Kate Florence Smallin Neeland. He attended schools in Auberry, California, and was a 1962 graduate of Sierra Joint Union High School. Mr. Neeland attended Westmont City College and Western Baptist Bible College. He enlisted in the Marines from 1966 to 1970, and was a surface-to-air missile trainer during Vietnam. He married Marin. Gail Nelson Hunter, July 9th, 1965, in Fresno, California. They had two children in Carpinteria, California, and enjoyed raising a family in sunny California. Mr. Nealon worked at Carpinteria Summerland Fire Department as a firefighter for 24 years and retired on November the 11th, 1996, as a battalion chief. Following his retirement, he became administrative pastor at the Eastside 4 Square Church in Bothell, Washington. After retiring a second time, they moved to Lacey, Washington. And eventually, they moved in with their son and family in Rock Springs, Wyoming, where they have enjoyed 5 years of wondrous adventures here with family in Wyoming he attended Rock Springs Evangelical Free Church. His faith in Christ was paramount, paramount and norm's top priority in life was to serve the Lord at all times. He enjoyed biking, hunting, gardening, fishing, indoor rowing, nutrition and cooking. He was a gentleman of few words, but each word was gold. His favorite way of loving his family was by making them chef-styled meals and telling them stories of his childhood. Survivors include his wife, Marin Gail Neeland of Rock Springs, one son, Kevin Bruce Neeland and wife, Heather, of Rock Springs, one daughter, Jennifer Diane Smith and husband, Robert, of Idaho Falls, Idaho, two brothers, Merrill Neeland and wife, Karen, of Sisters, Oregon, Clint Neathan of Prather, California, seven grandchildren, Megan Knorr and husband Joey, Amber Blair and husband Micah, Andrew Neeland, Caleb Neeland, Matthias Neeland, Micah Neeland, Noah Neeland, as well as two great-grandsons, Jasper Knorr and Micah Knorr, along with seven cousins, four nieces, and two nephews. He was preceded in death by his parents, Joel Myron Neeland and his wife, Kate, and a sister in law, Judy Neeland. Should you desire to make a memorial gift in Norm's memory, you may designate your gift to the Firefighters for Christ in Laguna Hills, California. May God bless and enrich our lives through the life and memory of this man of God, Norm Neeland. Jenny and my dad loved worship music, and he would want nothing more than our Savior to be lifted up and glorified by his people. Let's all stand and worship. My sister is going to sign. Is that not the glorious hope of every person who dies in Christ? I will rise. Scripture for today is found in 1 Corinthians 50, verse 50 through 58. And then there's a couple paragraphs that Jack Hayford adds regarding verse 57. The scripture reads as follows. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God And then these two paragraphs, penned by Jack Hayford and his brother that Norm knew well. They've sent greetings and consolations to the family. This is what Jack wrote. On verse 57, 1 Corinthians 15, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he penned these words, There is a final victory for all of us in Jesus Christ. This victory will cheat the ultimate force that terrifies man and will be registered in cemeteries all over the world. This victory will be so total and will happen so quickly that nothing can stop it. Death will finally be conquered in the twinkling of an eye. It will all be over. The Lord of life. Will claim his own. There will be a blast from the last trumpet of heaven, the sound of an eternal coronation for the King of Kings. The resounding ring of this last trumpet will herald the breaking open of the sky, the raising of the dead in Christ, and the final overthrow of the devil's last hope, death itself. There is victory ahead, it awaits all who call on the name of the Lord. Death is Swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? For Jesus, the Lord of life, will come, and nothing can stop him. Praise his holy name. May God bless those words to our hearts. Let's stand again as we worship.
1: Uh, I'm going to give Grandpa's eulogy, um, and I just wanted to start out uh, by saying 2 Timothy 2.4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Norm Clary-Neeland, my grandpa, was one who fought the good fight and ran the race to win. Um, As we're here today to remember him, I hope that you know my grandpa was one to receive many crowns from Jesus. He lived in a way that kept eternity in perspective while also accomplishing much for the kingdom of God. No doubt he is singing his praises with Jesus now. My grandpa Norman, Claire Nealand, started life in Prather, California, born to Joel and Kate Nealand. And he was the second born of three brothers, uh, Clint Nealand being the youngest and uh, Merrill being the oldest. Uh, He's the middle child. Uh, He lived in the high mountains of California on the Nealand Ranch and spent his early years helping around the ranch, raising sheep and cattle for show and maintaining a trap line told me of a time when he would take his 22 long rifle on the school bus actually and keep his gun in the back of the classroom and uh, on his way home the school bus driver would drop him off early and he'd walk his trap line Um, and he was sprayed in the face by a skunk uh, inevitably one time and he wasn't allowed in the house for a week (laughs) grandpa was not afraid of the wild side of life Grandpa married Mara Nealon, my grandma, and served in the Marine Corps. He was an extreme marksman with the rifle and earned many badges uh, for his skill. But he specialized in work with surface-to-air missiles. Uh, He was actually, his team received a 100% kill rate. He was that good. Every missile fired hit its target. So they kept him back uh, from going to Vietnam to stay and help train others. Uh, I thank the Lord that my grandpa was good at what he did. He Could have gone to Vietnam and been killed, but he was spared, and so I'm here, right? Uh, After serving in the Marines, Grandpa worked with a friend for a while, flipping houses and working actually on the oil rigs of coastal California. He then became a firefighter in Carpinteria, California, and rose through the ranks to becoming a battalion chief. He was injured and burned in multiple fires, but the Lord spared his life every time as he saved others. A fond memory I have is that he told me he would go and confiscate illegal fireworks from people, and then on the 4th of July, he would go set them off in his own backyard. Uh, Grandpa was a good and honest man, but he loved to have some fun. Um, during this time, Grandpa Neeland had two children with his wife, Maureen, my Aunt Jenny, and my dad, Kevin. They were both raised in Carpinteria, California. During this time, my dad and him would uh, mountain bike and backpack bike into the Sierras. And once a bear climbed into the tree uh, with their hammocks that they were in, and just kind of sat there. And my grandpa roared at the bear, and the bear scrambled off into the woods. Grandpa was fearless. Another wonderful story of their growing up was when my Aunt Jenny told me of a time when she and my dad decided to make breakfast for my grandma and grandpa for their anniversary. So they woke up at 4 a.m. and they're sneaking around the kitchen and they burned the toast and set off the fire alarm. And my grandpa, being the firefighter, he is bursts into the kitchen in his boxers only to find my dad and Auntie Jenny singing, happy anniversary to you. Uh, you can, needless to say, Grandpa was not amused with that and sent them back to bed. Uh, after retiring from the fire department, Grandpa served as a pastor of a four-square church in Bothell, Washington, and spent many years ministering there. During this period, he got into fishing for salmon in Canada, like the B.C., Alaska areas, um, and with some church members. He had many wild adventures in this area, and one story is that he was in a boat, a little 10-foot skiff, uh, with a 90-year-old fisherman. And a whale swam directly underneath their boat and breached right next to them and nearly tipped them over. And then seconds later, he caught the biggest halibut of the trip. So apparently that whale was going after something. Grandpa never really seemed to look for the wild stuff. It just found him, you know. Um, during his later years as well, Grandpa helped with humanitarian and missions work. He went to Cambodia to the killing fields, actually, and helped build multiple churches and uh, did amazing work with the infrastructure there. He also went to New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina hit it and helped out there. as You know, he's a qualified firefighter and a medic. Um, he was never far from the action. In his later years, Grandpa went many places with his wife, my grandma, Marin. They took many cruises and vacations, soaking in God's wonderful world. They even once took our entire family on a cruise to Alaska, and a memory I'll never forget is getting to stand next to him as our ship pulled right up to a glacier. I kept thinking, we're the next Titanic. Um, But uh, there we were among the ice, and the Lord uh, was with us, and it was just a wonderful memory I have, um, getting to love uh, God's world with my grandpa. In all, Grandpa did have seven grandchildren, um, Megan, Amber, Andrew, me, Matthias, Micah, and Noah. And he also got the privilege of holding a great-grandchild, Jasper Noor, which is phenomenally special. And he got to see a picture of his second great-grandchild, uh, Micah Noor. My personal favorite memory, though, is getting to hunt with Grandpa Neland and Grandpa Carlson at the same time. What boy gets to go elk hunting with both grandpas? A particular moment that stands out in my mind is when we were hunting, and we found ourselves on a two-track road called Road 2611W. The W standing for Wonder if this is how it all ends. Because this road went from being slippery to downright treacherous. It was covered in little 10-inch stakes of, lo- of logs or you know two inches in diameter that had been cut at 45 degree angles in the middle of the road each one threatening to gut the gas tank i remember seeing the severity of the situation and praying as grandpa carlson's hands moved along the steering wheel and his grandpa nealon's hands white knuckled held onto the door and as we slid around and praise god we made it off the mountain uh, what an unforgettable experience After some time, Grandpa Nealon and Grandma Nealon moved to Wyoming in 2018 to be closer to us. Um, They moved in with us due to health complications, and I'll always cherish getting to live those nearly five years with my grandparents. There are many special times with them that we had together that I will never forget. In early December, Grandpa began experiencing problems with his kidneys, and his overall health declined quickly after. After a month of dialysis and much hardship, Grandpa made the decision to stop dialysis although he knew what it meant he was a fighter to the end and as he approached his final days we spent lots of time with him singing praying talking and just sitting there um i'll never forget those days three days before he died our family decided to sing some songs for him again and we're sitting there singing away and it was evening and as it got dark outside he woke up and said ah isn't this a great way to start the day and then he, we said, oh, you're, you're up. He, he hadn't been awake in a while. And he said, would you mind singing She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain? Um, we didn't know it at the time, but that song is actually an old spiritual. It actually is totally tied to Jesus. I had no idea. Um, and it was used as code in the Underground Railroad. Um, and that song is actually about sh- the she and she'll be coming around the mountain. is actually Jesus' chariot coming to get Elijah. And the last verse goes, um, oh, how does it go? will uh, what? We'll all go out. And that's not the last one. But one of the verses is, we'll all go out to meet him. I wrote it down here, but now I can't find it. Um, but we'll all go out to meet him when he comes. And uh, uh, Jesus, she'll be driver when she comes. That's the last verse. Um, and so we looked up the lyrics, and we sang it for him, and we cried. And he fell back asleep. And then he woke up a little while later and said, will you sing she'll be coming around the mountain? And so with tears in our eyes, we cried and sang the song together. And that song will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, When he passed away, he was surrounded by family in his final, final moments. And I got the opportunity to see him off to glory, where there is no more pain and suffering, but only rejoicing that is the sweet victory that is Christ Jesus. I love you, Grandpa. When Grandpa Nealon passed away, we found a jar with a label, Fatherly Advice, and uh, we'd given it to him years ago, and we had no idea but like 18, 20 years ago or something crazy, and he'd been filling it all these years, Um, and so I got the opportunity to read through some of it, and here are some of my favorites. Uh, If God is your co-pilot, switch seats. (laughs) When you get to your wit's end, you'll find that God lives there. God promises a safe landing, but not a calm passage. God himself does not propose to judge a man until he dies, so only should you.
2: my steps in, oh man, this is a song that I got to uh actually play for my grandpa before he passed away. Um, it was kind of a bit of a process, and so there was some time to think about it, to pray about it, and to to put a song together for him um, so I actually, he, he got to hear this um this is a song I wrote. Uh, It's called Always. Mm -hmm. This moment is flowing With me one more time. I want to keep this memory inside me for the rest of my life. Tell me your favorite stories. Reminisce with me one more time. I want to keep your voice. Just the way it is, locked inside my mind. Cause this life is just a sentence, and I wish it would run on. But your story has an ending before it finds the great beyond. So when the chariot comes to take you, I'll let you go away, but I'll hold you in my memories always. I'll stay until the sun comes around. I'll watch you breathe in and out, because I want to keep this memory inside of me for the rest of my life. Oh, look at you now, you're arriving. Can't you see all the joy ahead? You've been running all your life Now you can rest for the rest of your life Cause this life is just a story But the story's never done There's a million pages Written for you in the land beyond. So when Jesus comes to take you, tell him I'll join you soon. We'll be together there in glory always. Every earthly moment fades, and we will cry today, but your tears are gone now. You're truly alive, and your smile, oh, your smile will last always.
3: Tremendous, tremendous worship. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Thank you, Pastor Kevin and Heather and Jenny. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you all for being here. What an honor it is to honor a man like Norm Nealon. Pastor Kevin and Heather have asked me to preach a few words to you from Matthew 18 1 to 4. The disciples had been arguing over who was the greatest. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Father, use these words for your glory. And as it was Norm's hope, may there even be someone here without you that will find you at this funeral service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's my precious honor and privilege today to preach the word of God at this funeral for Norm. Norm Nealon, he's lived out the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so many years, and for the last five years, he's worshiped alongside his wife right over there. You saw him in that second seat over here. Almost always, he has his hands raised to heaven and Maran with him. As they have worshipped with us, they know almost every hymn there is to know that we've sung. And they sing without even looking at the words. They sing by heart. He can close his eyes and sing. I believe he's singing today, Andrew. Caleb. I believe it had to fill Norm's heart with joy to see his son, Pastor Kevin, and Heather, Andrew, Caleb, Matthias, Mike, and Noah all participating in worship. Involved on guitars, drums, piano, singing, helping to run the soundboard. Norman Morin truly have passed on a legacy of musical gifts and talent. To you, Pastor Kevin, to you, Jenny, and Gifts and talents that live on in their grandchildren. A week ago, Wednesday, I traveled out to the Neeland home south of town in Arrowhead Springs where Norm and Maren have lived for the last five years. And as you know, you may remember, we had a blinding blizzard. I wanted to see Norm one more time, and I didn't know if I was going to make it out there. I knew he was slipping away, in and out of a partial coma, and coming out again. Pastor Kevin and Heather took me back into his bedroom. They had one section of the house that was their own. We went back there, and I spoke with Norm. We talked for just a short while. I prayed with him. I thanked God for this man of God, and when I finished praying... Norm thanked me for being a man of God, for what I do, and then he prayed, but much longer than me. It was a long, touching prayer. I was amazed at how he mustered up strength to pray for me. When I left his bedside, I went to the other part of the house and into the kitchen, and there I listened to Andrew, Caleb, Matthias, Micah, Noah, and Heather as they kind of gave me the rundown of how bad things were and how close he was to going home. And so we kind of circled the wagons and got in a circle. And Andrew told me that in all of his life, this time, this vigil that you've kept, this dying vigil has so imprinted your life. You said, it's been the most important thing that's ever happened in my life so far. You said it imprinted you and showed you life from its start to its finish. So we prayed together. And as we prayed together, we prayed for Grandpa as he was valiantly fighting to stay alive for his wife and the family that he loved. He fought right to the end. But as we were praying And talking about not only Norm, but Maron, Norm, you know, gave his life to stay alive for Maron. He lived to love her. He cooked for her. He cared for her. He calmed her in the storms of life. She, too, was going through hard things. And she's moved into deer trail. But as we were praying, Pastor Kevin walked back into the kitchen. And he, when he walked back into the kitchen, he had this book. You may know about this book, Clint. It's a book called The Word, Worship, and the Work Week, a Monday to Friday devotional on every chapter of the New Testament. William Blocker, who signed it for you, Clint, said, Clint, may God bless your vision and all you do in the name of Christ. Bill Blocker, Psalm 90, verse 17. And I was going to go after we prayed, but I told Pastor Kevin, I said, I want to go back and thank him for the book because he had said, to Kevin, he says, there, there's a card over there. There was a card, and he looked for the card, and then he says, Do you mean this book? Yeah, the book. And so he brought the book to me, and I went back in. And I thanked him. I thanked him for the book. And I told him that I rejoiced to hear about all the singing he was doing. We had pictures of them, different ones. They all were taking shifts. Pastor Kevin, Heather... Andrew, Caleb, Matthias, Micah, Noah. And then I told him something. I said to him, I rejoice that you're still singing and singing. And he said these words to me. He said, I love to sing to Jesus, and he loves me singing to him. I'll never forget it. He loves me singing to him. I was moved. I hugged him. I kissed his forehead. I went out to my car. And it took a long time to get home, but I cried all the way home. I knew it was my last time to see this man of God. Now, the text that Pastor Kevin and Heather asked me to preach on isn't one you normally hear at a funeral. But it's one we all need to hear at this funeral. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For a few moments, I want us to examine our hearts. Examine our hearts. Not someone else's, but our own, as the scripture says, search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I want you to examine your heart and listen to Jesus' criteria for entering the kingdom of heaven. He tells us we must repent and receive Jesus, we must be humble, and we must become child, childlike, not childish, but childlike. That's his criteria. I want to look at these three thoughts with you for a few moments. To be great in God's kingdom, number one, we must repent and receive Jesus. Now the background for this is Mark 9. Mark talks about what was happening, verse 33 to 37. They came to Capernaum, which is next to Nazareth on the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about? What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, because on the way they had been arguing about who was the greatest? And Jesus sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of him, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And in Matthew eighteen two, my text It says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word Jesus used for turn is a strong word, strepho. It means to turn around. It's a 180. To reverse directions, to be converted. The disciples were on a perilous road. They wanted earthly greatness. They wanted control. They wanted the mother, I want one, one of my sons to be on your left and one on the right. They want in positions of power. The way we all are born, we're born with this push to make it to the top. We want our own way. Like sheep, we go astray. Many people speak of knowing God and praying to Him, but they have never turned. They have never turned around. They've never done that 180. They've never given up their own way. The way from below, the desire to control, the desire to get our own way, the desire to be first, the desire to manipulate events to reach a goal. We try to put our plans into Jesus' mouth when converted followers of Jesus have his word in our hearts. Norm was converted. Truly, he repented. At age 12, almost 13, he left behind the way of the world. When he got back from military service, he felt like he needed to rededicate his life, and he rededicated his life to Jesus. He turned from pride and prestige and pomp and pleasure and personal ambition to follow Jesus. He truly strepho, he truly repented, and he rejected following the world's way. He could have. Because like cream, he rose to the top. He was a hero for his family and his grandchildren. He was a Marine, a battalion chief, firefighter, administrative pastor for 15 years with Dr. Jim Hayford in Bothell, Washington. But if you knew him, you'd have never known it. He wouldn't tell you unless you almost drug it out of him. He never bragged about his achievements. He quietly and strongly showed the kindness of God as a faithful husband, a loving father, and grandfather, and great-grandfather. The way of the world is to push others aside, to surge to our goals. But even in Norm's hard-fought battle with kidney failure and heart failure, it was evident he had turned from the way of the world. He had repented of following the controlling ways of the world, and he had not only repented, but received Jesus. Mark 9.37 says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives me, not me, but him who sent me. Norm quietly showed to us all the beauty of Jesus. He turned, and he kept turning from the world all his life. There was no turning back. There was never a doubt in anyone's mind whose side Norm was on. Secondly, to be great, we not only have to repent and receive Jesus, we must be humble. Matthew eighteen three and 4 tells us, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, repent, and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wasn't talking about becoming childish, but childlike. Children are humble. I love little Jasper. What a sweetheart. What a sweetheart he is. We hold out our hands to them. We clap our hands. They come running to our arms. They long to be held. They long to be loved. They long to be accepted and to love us back. They long to be forgiven. When they fail, they long to be taught, they long to belong. Those like Norm, who really come to Jesus, drop their proud defenses and run to him for salvation. They run to his arms. Back in the 4th century, Augustine, the great Christian of the 4th century, he was asked the question, what are the most important things about the Christian life? And he said there are three. There are three. Now I quote him number one humility number two humility number three humility there's nothing more important than that and norm was a model of humility oh yes he had many stories you heard them stories about trapping for furs training in the military firing surface to air missiles fighting brush fires on the california coast but in all those stories Jesus was at the center. Jesus got the glory. And yes, Caleb, I remember, as you and Andrew both remember, being at the Oak Mountain cabins, going hunting, what days those were. We never got our game. In fact, we finally got to where we had fresh track, fresh droppings. We knew we were on them. And here came some dogs. Some lion hunters had come to the same area. And they got on a trail and were barking tree, way down the river from us. We hoped that they were successful. All of us were cold. We smiled and we walked back to the truck on the last day. We realized we weren't going to get any elk, but we realized the joy of being together. Augustus Toplady, the writer of the song Rock of Ages, wrote about humility Humility in a true believer. If he would have known Norm, he would have identified him as one about whom he wrote. Because humility of a believer has no plans to get our own way, to achieve our own goals, but a believer that rests in the will of God, he wrote, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless fly to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. One thing to watch for when you assess a person's spiritual fitness for ministry is how he or she relates to children. Put a child in the room and you'll find out. This is what Jesus did with his disciples to make his point. He had his 12 come around him, and then he asked for a child to come to him, and he put the child in his arms. And what did the disciples do? They rebuked the parents for bringing the child. They rebuked them. Children are a litmus test that exposes the presence of pride in us, the lack of humility, as we want children to be seen and not heard. Jesus tested his disciples by allowing the parents to bring, their, to bring their children. We read in Matthew 19, Then, verse 13 to 15, They brought to him children that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Suffer, or let, allow the little children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. I want you to know that Norm, if you notice the pictures, was at home with children. Andrew, Caleb, Matthias, Micah, and Noah ministered to him by taking shifts, laying beside him, laying on the bed. Heather, Kevin, all of you. And I have to believe I can't know all the thoughts of a man, but I have to know how I would have felt. And I would have felt like in one way when I would wake up from a semi-coma if I were in that state that he was. To wake up and find one of my own right there beside me he must have felt, thought he was already in heaven. What a, what a shower of love you gave him. No wonder Dr. Jim Hayford called Norm to be the pastor of administration at the Four Square Church in Bothell. Why did Norm leave a high-paying job as a fire chief in California to go shepherd God's flock in a four-square church in Washington for lesser pay? It was because God's flock there knew he was needed. It was because life for Norm wasn't about money, a top position, a recognition. Norm knew better. He chose the way of weakness. He chose the way of the Lamb. Norm knew what a call from God was. He humbly esteemed the call of God as a call above all other calls. And Dr. Jim Hayford told his flock, if I take the job as your pastor, I have one request. I want you to call Norm Neeland to be our pastor of administration. In a letter sent to Pastor Kevin on Saturday, He wrote to you, Heaven, your father was the most Christ-like man I have ever known. What a tribute. The first criteria to be great in God's kingdom is to turn, to turn from the world, the way of power and control to God's way, of power in our weakness, the way of the cross, the way of the lamb. And the second criteria is to be humble and Christ-like as Jesus was. And last of all, to be great in God's kingdom, we must become like children. It's the crowning criteria Jesus gave. Calling a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's counterculture. And if you serve the Lord, you'll be counterculture. When Jesus called these children to him, the child he placed in the middle of them. He didn't have to train. The child just was a child. He saw the open arms and he ran to Jesus. He sensed the openness, the warmth, the care, the love of Christ. Children are that way. We believe, or they believe what we tell them. This child surrendered himself to Christ. I don't even know if he was playing with his favorite toy, but he ran to Jesus and left everything behind. That's what we do when we come to Christ. Like a child, we trust him. We surrender ourselves. We obey him. We humble ourselves before Jesus. If any of you today are walking in the way of the world, the way of control, the way of power, the way of personal power, the way of I'll do it my way, Norm Neeland thought of you and said the only thing he wanted for sure at his funeral was an invitation. He was praying for you. Will you come to Jesus today? He's calling for you to come to him. Norm asked Pastor Kevin to promise him at this funeral that there would be an invitation for people to repent, to turn and receive to humble themselves, to become childlike and turn from the world and become like children and receive Jesus into their hearts. A week ago, last Wednesday, I told you, I heard Norm Nealand tell me, and the last time I saw him, he said, I love to sing to Jesus, and he loves me singing to him. And I want to say to you without apology that I hope He loves you singing to him, too. And I love singing to him, as you know. What a childlike word that was to me. In 1813, a baby girl was born, Jemima Thompson Luke. At age 28, she wrote a song I'll close with. It's an old, old song but it is the testimony of Matthew 18 and Matthew 19. I think when I read that sweet story of old, when Jesus was here among men, how he called little children as lambs to his fold. I should like to have been with him then. I wish that his hands had been placed on my head, that his arms had been thrown around me, and that I might have seen his kind look when he said, Let the little ones come unto me. And even today, yet still, to his footstool in prayer I may go and ask for a share in his love. And if I thus earnestly seek him below, I shall see him and hear him above. And now my prayer for you. I pray you, I pray you can virtually see him right now doing it for you. I wish that his hands had been placed on your heads, that his arms had been thrown around you, and that you might have seen his kind look when he said, let the little ones come unto me. Would you bow your heads? You can have him wrap his arms around you. You can have him hold you. But you have to come to him as a child. You have to turn from the way from below, the way of control and power, the way of I want it my way. You have to humble yourself. You have to be a child. And today, if you want Jesus in your heart, I'm going to share a prayer. You can ask him to come into your life. Right now, I would ask you, how many of you, it was Norm's greatest wish that there would be an invitation, would you give your life to Jesus today? And if you would, just for a moment, long enough for me to see it, just slip up your hand and say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to know I'm his child. Would you simply raise your hand right now? I want Jesus to come into my life. Now, wait just a moment. Would you give your life to Christ? Right this moment. Would you slip up your hand? I'm going to pray the prayer. In case you couldn't get up your hand, you can pray the prayer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sins and come into my life. I humble myself in your presence. I turn from the way of the world. I turn to the way of weakness, the way of the Lamb. I turn to you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Live inside me by your Spirit. I won't turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now, Father, may this serve as the benediction of this service we're going to close with two songs and then we'll all go out to the grave and come back for a time of fellowship but thank you for your presence here